Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Maharaj Nimi continued, Mayavadis generally want freedom from accepting a material body because they fear having to give it up again. But devotees whose intelligence is always filled with the service of the Lord are unafraid. Indeed, they take advantage of the body to render transcendental loving service. Purport by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. Maharaj Nimi did not want to accept a material body, which would be a cause of bondage. Because he was a devotee, he wanted a body by which he could render devotional service to the Lord. Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur sings, Chan Mao Bimor, Hitcha Yadito, Bhaktagrihe Jani, Chan Mao Kita Jan My Lord, if you want to if you want me to take birth and accept a material body again, kindly do me this favor. Allow me to take birth in the home of your servant, your devotee. I do, not being, I do not mind being born there, even as an insignificant creature like an insect. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu also said, Na janam na janam na sundarim kavitam va jagadishakamaye mama janamani janamani shware bhavatad bhakti rahaitaki tvai O Lord of the universe, I do not desire material wealth, materialistic followers, a beautiful wife, or fruitive activities described in flowery language. All I want life after life is unmotivated devotional service to you. By saying life after life, Janamani, Janamani, the Lord referred not to an ordinary birth, but a birth in which to remember the lotus feet of the Lord. Such a body is desirable. A devotee does not think like yogis and jnanis, who want to refuse the material body and become one with the impersonal Brahman effulgence. A devotee does not like this idea. On the contrary, he will accept any body, material or spiritual, for he wants to serve the Lord. This is real liberation. If one has a strong desire to serve the Lord, even if he accepts a material body, there is no cause of anxiety, since a devotee, even in the material body, is a liberated soul. This is confirmed by Srila Rupa Goswami. Ihayasya <laughs> karmana manasagira 
For a person acting in Krishna consciousness, or in other words, in the service of Krishna, his body, mind, intelligence, and words is liberated even within this material world, although he may be engaged in many so-called material activities. The desire to serve the Lord establishes one as liberated in any condition of life, whether in a spiritual body or in a material body. In a spiritual body, the devotee becomes a direct associate of the Lord. But even though a devotee may superficially appear to be in a material body, he is always liberated and is engaged in the same duties of service to the Lord as a devotee in Vaikuntha Loka. There is no distinction. It is said, Sadhu Jivo Vamaro Va. Whether a devotee is alive or dead, his only concern is to serve the Lord. When he gives up his body, he goes directly to become an associate of the Lord and serve him. Although he does, not, he does the same thing even in a material body in the material world. For a devotee, there is no pain, pleasure, or material perfection. One may argue that at the time of death, a devotee also suffers because of giving up his material body. But in this connection, the example may be given that a cat carries a mouse in its mouth and also carries a kitten in its mouth. But the mouse and the kitten, both the mouse and the kitten, are carried in the same mouth. But the perception of the mouse is different from that of the kitten. When a devotee gives up his body, Dehaṁ, he is ready to go back home, back to Godhead. Thus, his perception is certainly different from that of a person being taken away by Yamaraj for punishment. A person whose intelligence is always concentrated upon the service of the Lord is unafraid of accepting a material body, whereas a non-devotee having no engagement in the service of the Lord is very much afraid of accepting a material body or giving up his present one. Therefore, we should follow the instruction of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Mama Janamani Janamani Shwari Bhavata Bhakti Rahaita Kitwai. It does not matter whether we accept a material body or a spiritual body. Our only ambition should be to serve the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Translation. Maharaj Nimi continued, Mayavadis generally want freedom from accepting a material body because they fear having to give it up again. But devotees whose intelligence is always filled with the service of the Lord are unafraid. Indeed, they take advantage of the body to render transcendental loving service. Om Ajnan Timirandasya Gyananjana Chalakaya Chakshurun Militam Jena Tasmoy Sri Guru Vaipung Shang Paro Dharmo, the Topak Theodore Hope Shaje, 
अहित किया प्रतिहताशात्मा सुप्रसिद्ध थे This is the unique um, feature of the quality of the pure devotees, is their desire to serve the Lord is unmotivated and uninterrupted. They do not concern themselves for their own pleasures in this world or even in the next. There are many wonderful examples of this. We read of when Lord Krishna's messenger went to the demigods, to the great sages in the forest, to the great learned scholars of the Vedas, um, appealing to them to give some dust from their feet, because this would be the only medication that would heal the headache of Lord Sri Krishna. And they all refused because they understood that this is a great offense to put their feet on the head of the Supreme Lord and they would go to hell. Krishna was on one level pleased that they were so respectful to him, but on another level his headache continued. So he sent his messenger to Vrindavan to appeal to the gopis. The gopis immediately began collecting the dust from their lotus feet. And when they were warned, do you know that you will go to hell for this? They said, yes, of course we will go to hell for this, to put the dust from our feet on the head of Sri Krishna. But let us go to hell forever. If that will give Krishna one moment of relief from his headache, we are willing to suffer for all of eternity. This is the spirit of unmotivated, uninterrupted devotion to the Lord. The same spirit we find in the Srimad Bhagavatam, in the story of Maharaj Chichiketu, when he was flying over the abode of Lord Shankar, he saw a very unusual sight, that there was a congregation of great learned sages, all in the renounced order of life. And Lord Shiva was giving them a lecture on detachment from material sense enjoyment and on the spirit of true renunciation. And while he was giving the lecture, his beautiful consort, Parvati, was affectionately sitting upon his lap in his embrace. And Maharaj Chichiketu considered this was very, very unusual, and he began to laugh. What is this? He's talking to the great sages about renunciation, these celibate monks with his wife on his lap. And Parvati became very furious. Who is he to question 
the authority of Lord Shiva. Vaishnavanam Yatashambhu, he is the greatest Vaishnav. Vaishnavera Mudra Vigyena Bhujai. And one can never understand or try to judge the mind of a great Vaishnav. So she became very angry. Chichiketu, because of your great wealth and opulence being a king, you have become so proud and arrogant, you've lost your intelligence to criticize a great soul like Lord Shiva. Therefore, I curse you to go to hell and become a demon. And when this curse came crashing upon the head of Maharaj Chichiketu, he was quite grateful to her. With a peaceful mind, he came down and he offered his obeisances at the feet of Mother Parvati and Lord Shankar and explained his heart that actually I, did, I really did not mean any offense to him. I was glorifying him in different type of words. But in my heart, I was not doubting the great Lord Shankar. I believe you misunderstood me, but that is all external. Internally, this is all the will of the Lord. Nothing can happen by chance without the divine arrangement of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Therefore, Mother Paravati, you have cursed me to go to hell and to become a demon. I will be glad to do so if this is what the Lord wants. Now, with your permission, I will go on with my next service to the Lord. And then he very gratefully and humbly bowed his head at the feet of Mother Parvati. When Lord Shiva saw this, he was very much pleased. And he spoke to his wife, Narayana Parasaravi Nakutashtana Bibhyate Swarga just see the quality of the devotees of Narayan. They are so unmotivated in their loving service to the Lord that they do not care whether they are in heaven, whether they are in hell, or whether they are liberated. It makes no difference to them. They are simply concerned with their service to the Lord. And that service under any condition can never be stopped. Srila Prabhupada, he left Vrindavan, the holiest place in all of the creation. And in Vrindavan, he was in the most sanctified atmosphere of Sri Sri Radha Damodar Mandir, which is the very place that Sri Rupa, Sri Sanatan, Sri Jiva Goswami, Gopal Bhatta Goswami, Raghunath Bhatta Goswami, and Sri Raghunath Das Goswami, they would meet practically daily, have kirtan, discuss the pastimes of the Lord, discuss the, the, the mission of spreading the mercy of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu throughout the world. It is not that they did it 500 years ago, but it is a pastime that is eternally being enacted. Srila Prabhupada was sitting amongst these most celebrated and greatest and purest of all Vaishnavas, the Manjuris of Krishna's Leela. Such a pleasurable place to be. But his spiritual master wanted him to go 
to that place which is of the utter opposite to the United States of America, the most hellish city of New York, where you do not find six Goswamis, you find murderers, thieves, rapists, meat eaters, drunkards, drug addicts. And not only in New York, but he was in the, the heart of those activities within New York, the Bowery, the Lower East Side. Practically everyone was stoned out on drunks, on drugs and alcohol and having illicit sex every day, at least once, twice, three times. Nourishing their body on meat two, three times a day. No facilities, dirty, filthy place, polluted. Srila Prabhupada, he saw no difference. All he saw that is whether I'm in Vrindavan with the six Goswamis or whether I'm in New York with all these drug addicts. My service to the Lord is my only concern in life. This is where I can serve, therefore this place is Vrindavan for me. And later on, after some years after, he came out of his poverty-stricken condi condition in New York City, he had wonderful temples, and in some places they were buying big castles, palaces, and mansions, and they were giving him the best, most wonderfully decorated rooms. And he would sit in his room, sometimes with chandeliers, expensive rugs, and all sorts of beautiful furniture his disciples would give him just to meet people. And he was the same simple Prabhupada, there was no difference. One day he looked at Kirtananda Maharaj while he was in his beautiful palatial quarters in Los Angeles, the world headquarters. He said, you see all these beautiful paintings, beautiful wallpapers, beautiful chandeliers, nice furniture, silver plates they're giving me, Prasad. He said, I am simply longing for that little simple atmosphere on the bank of the Jamuna in Vrindavan at Radha Damodar. It was so nice. That was sense gratification. This is an austerity. But for preaching, I accept. So in any condition, he was the same. Because he was not concerned with where he was. He was only concerned with where he could best serve. And Srila Prabhupada, in this purport, he was quoting from the beautiful story, Sadhur Jivo Vamarova. In this story, it is told that there was an, a prophet who came to one kingdom and various people came to him for benedictions and for some vision of the future. So first the, the prince came to him and the prophet gave the benediction to the prince Better you live forever. Better you just continue living. And then a brahmachari came to him and he gave the benediction, Better you die now. And then a butcher came to him 
and he gave the benediction, better you neither live nor die. And then a sadhu, a Vaishnava, came to him. And he said, better you either live or die. So the people, they wanted to hear an explanation. So he spoke that this prince, he is enjoying so much today. He is living in a beautiful palace. He has so many nice facilities for sense gratification. And because he has so much facility, therefore naturally he's engaging in sinful activities. Better he lives, because now he's enjoying like anything. But when he dies, he's going to have to accept all the sinful reactions from all of his karmic activities. And he's going to have to suffer and suffer and suffer. Better you live. And the brahmachari, he's torturing himself. He's sleeping on the floor. He's eating food with practically no salt or spices. He's living in a hellish condition. Hmm? No, he's not allowed to tell anyone what to do. Everyone's telling him what to do. Even Grihastas come and start ordering them around. And he has to just remain humble and obedient to all. He's living a very, very severe life of suffering. He's given up his family, given up his home, and the society laughs at him, rebukes him, thinks he's crazy impractical, lazy, and yet he's, he's struggling so hard, harder than anyone, just to do some welfare work for the spiritual upliftment of society, the menial service of his guru. He has no prestige, he has no respectability. It's a painful life. The prophet said to the brahmachari, better you die because for the sacrifice you're doing for the Supreme Lord and your Guru, when you die, you are guaranteed to go back to Godhead, to live an eternal life of bliss and knowledge with Krishna. And what about the butcher? They asked. Butcher? In his life, all around him is the screaming of tortured animals, the smell of death, the sight of blood is a hellish condition all around. And when he dies, he will have to pay the consequences of all this bloodshed, pain, and death that he is committing to others. Therefore, his life now is nothing but a miserable condition of suffering, and in the future, it will only get worse. Better he neither lives nor dies. And the great Vaishnav Sadhu, ah, he said, just see, he is simply immersed in the loving service of the Lord. He is simply tasting the sweet ecstasy of pure devotional service in this material body now, wherever he is. And after he dies, he'll just continue that service in another place, wherever Krishna wants him. So therefore, for a Vaishnava, whether he lives or dies makes no difference. He's doing the same thing. It 
साधुर जीवो वमारो Whether a devotee is alive or dead, his only concern is to serve the Lord. And Srila Prabhupada here is quoting Srila Bhakti Vinod Thakur. Jan maha ho bimor Itcha jatito Bhakta grihe jani Jan maha He says, my dear Lord, if you want me to accept a material body again, I do not mind. I will be very happy to do so. But please grant me one favor, that it be in the house of your devotee. And he goes on to say, I would, if you offer me the body of Lord Brahma, the manager and superintendent of the universe, living in the most opulent conditions of Brahma-loka. If I cannot be your devotee as Lord Brahma, I reject that birth. But I will be most happy and grateful if I can take birth as an insect in the house of your devotee. Because there I will always hear your holy name. Sometimes I will secretly eat your nice Mahaprasad. And this way I will be very happy. Better to take an insect birth in the house of your devotee than to take Brahma's birth without the association of Vaishnavas. And Srila Prabhupada is explaining here the difference between death the inevitable fate of all living beings for one who is a devotee and for one who is not a devotee. Death strikes everyone. Within our Vaishnav calendar, every week or so we find the disappearance day of great Vaishnavas, the disappearance day of Ramanujacharya, Madhvacharya, Swarupdhamadara Goswami, the disappearance day of Rupa Goswami, Sanatana Goswami, Raghunath Das Goswami, Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami, Gopal Bhatta Goswami, the disappearance day of Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, Baladeva Jabhushan, Jagannath Das Babaji, Bhakti Vinod Thakur, Gaur Kishore Das Babaji, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati, Esi Bhakti Vedanta Swami Prabhupada. All the great Vaishnavas who are most celebrated in our tradition we are celebrating their disappearance day. What does that mean? It means physically they died. The ones that did not physically die, we don't celebrate their disappearance day. Like Lord Sri Krishna, he just ascended to Vaikuntha, Goloka. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, just, his body just merged into the body of Tota Gopinath. We do not celebrate such disappearance. But those devotees who just gave up their lives, apparently like ordinary people. So if a devotee is eternal, and if a devotee does not have to succumb to death, why is it that all these great devotees have died? 
and we even commemorate that death. It is described here by Srila Prabhupada that yes, under the laws of material nature, this material body must die. But a devotee has a different consciousness than an ordinary man. Death is compared to, your, to a cat. And an ordinary person is like a mouse. And when the mouse is in the mouth of cat, it knows that it is his destruction. And therefore the mouse is exceedingly afraid and willing to do anything to struggle to try to escape. The mouth of the cat is death personified for the mouse. But the kitten, who has surrendered itself to the cat, the mouse has not surrendered. The mouse is always trying to get away from the cat and act independent of the cat. Therefore, there's fear. But because the kitten is surrendered to the cat, is fully dependent on the love of the cat. That same mouth, when it holds her, she sees that cat as the most loving protector. So similarly, when a devotee is faced with death, he simply sees Krishna. With love and gratitude, he is feeling the divine protection, the divine love of Krishna at death. He sees that death is simply the door opening to the spiritual world. Therefore, there is no fear. It is a promotion. It is like graduating. Therefore, a devotee welcomes birth and welcomes death. He welcomes another birth in the material body in this world if it is an opportunity to serve the Lord. And he welcomes death, where he could continue that service in the spiritual world. Wherever you want me, Krishna, I will go. Mama Janamani Janamani Shwari Bhakti Rahoi I do not want wealth. I do not want beautiful women. I do not want followers. I do not even want liberation suffering. I only aspire one thing, that I may be engaged in your loving service wherever you want me, even if it's in another material body, even if it's in heaven or hell. Makes no difference. So some devotees, they like to just get away from the hectic situation of devotional service to their spiritual master and go to a peaceful place like Vrindavan where they can just sit and chant the holy names alone, not be bothered by anyone. That is a nice sentiment, but they will never understand what is Vrindavan by that process. Vrindavan is not so cheap that you can just go and the holy name is not so cheap. It is through surrender and devotion that we can truly understand Vrindavan as it is. It is when we make the order of our spiritual master our life and soul. 
It is when we, when we cultivate this attitude of being willing to do anything, anywhere, in the service of our spiritual master that Vrindavan is truly revealed to us. Because Vrindavan is only revealed to the heart that is pure and unmotivated. It's by the mercy of Guru and Krishna, not by our own efforts, not even by our own pursuits in chanting the holy name or performing austerities that can we, we can ever understand what is Vrindavan. Narutandas Thakur has sung, Vishayacha Diyakabe Sudha Habimana Kabiyama Hedibo Sri Vrindavan. Only when I give up all selfish, independent desires will I understand Vrindavan. Narutandas Thakur himself, he was living in Vrindavan with Jiva Goswami. Lokanath Goswami, Bhugarava Goswami, Raghunathas Goswami. They were all there. But he was sent to go on a preaching mission for the rest of his life throughout Bengal and all the other places. But because he was humbly and obediently serving his spiritual master, in fact, he was always in Vrindavan. So we can realize Vrindavan by devotional service, by humbly serving the order of the spiritual master and Krishna. It might be difficult. It will be difficult. If it was not difficult, it would not be purifying. Therefore, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur and the great Acharyas, they teach, do not try to imitate the Paramhamsas just accept your real position as a humble menial servant of the spiritual master. And through this process only can we really get the realization of Krishna's mercy and understand the truth of the divine abode of the Lord. Therefore, a devotee simply concerned, how can I best serve you now? Gopi simply aspiring to be the servant of the servant of the servant of the servant. And Maharaj Nimi, he is so wonderfully and eloquently revealing the heart of a great soul, of a great Vaishnava. He is not attached to his kingdom, and he's not attached to not going back to his kingdom. I remember one time Srila Prabhupada explained that some devotees, they are like sadhus. They like to live under trees. Other devotees, they're coming from wealthier atmospheres. They're very attached to living under a, in a palace. Prabhupada said you should not be either attached to the palace or the tree. If Krishna wants you living in a palace, you should be happy to live in a palace. If Krishna wants you to live under a tree, you should be happy to live under a tree. I remember when I first came to New Vrindavan, I was just coming from Vrindavan, and we were living in a farmhouse. It was an old broken down farmhouse, but to me it was such sense gratification because I never slept under a roof. In India I was always 
under the sky, whether it was raining, whether it was freezing cold. I would never sleep under a roof. I was thinking, this is sense enjoyment. So I told Bhaktipada, I'm going to leave New Vrindavan because, you know, I, I like to live in Vrindavan where it's austere. This is too much shelter, too much comforts. And Bhaktipada quoted Prabhupada. He said, Prabhupada said not to be attached to living in a palace or a tree. He said, you will never go back to Godhead as long as you're attached to living under a tree. If your guru wants you living in a palace, renunciation means to live in a palace. If your guru wants you to live under a tree, renunciation means to live under a tree. Renunciation means simply to fulfill the order of the spiritual master, not be attached to our own conceptions. What is spiritual life? What is spiritual advancement? Just to be the humble servant. Is there any questions? heart, you are not on that platform of unmotivated, uninterrupted. But through the process of following the instructions of the higher authorities of the sadhus, we can gradually come to that consciousness. And that means tapasya. Tapasya means whether I have motivations or do not have motivations. I do not act on those motivations. I prefer to act on the order of Krishna and Guru, and I put aside my own motivations. Huh? Through this process, we show Krishna that we want to serve him, we don't want to serve our own mind or senses. And then, that, and then Krishna cleanses all material motives from our heart. By following the regulative principles of freedom, one becomes detached by the mercy of the Lord. One obtains the complete mercy of the Lord and thus becomes detached from attraction and aversion. It is only by the supreme mercy of the Lord that we can become free from motivations material motivations. It's not by our own endeavor. But how to attract the mercy of the Lord? By simply making the order of Guru our life and soul. Hmm? 
by putting all other things aside and only engaging in the service that he wants us. Huh? He wants us to chant attentively. Our mind wants to do other things, but we are willing to perform the sacrifice of chanting attentively to serve him, to please him. He wants to do this menial task. We would rather do something else. Huh? So by acting in this way, by praying for this, by praying in the mood of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, if you want, Krishna, you can kick me away. If you want, you can embrace me. I'm your servant. You can do anything you want to me. By living a disciplined life under the guidance of great devotees of the Lord, and by offering our prayers for that realization, Krishna gives you that unmotivated, uninterrupted consciousness. It is not a cheap thing. It is not that we already have it. We can search our hearts thoroughly and we may not find even a trace of unmotivated desire. It doesn't matter. If we simply please Krishna by this process, he will cleanse all of our anartas, all of our unwanted desires, and reveal the pure nature of the soul, which is unmotivated, uninterrupted, loving desire to serve the Lord. Comes by the mercy of Krishna. Is there any other questions?